Welcome to the TNT EdTech Podcast. We know tech. We are your hosts. I'm Scott the teacher. And I'm Matthew the tech coach. Welcome to the TNT EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Noons, with my co-host... Matthew Ketchum. Matthew, we've been talking about doing this for a while. I'm so glad we were both able to connect and do it. We've been working our bottoms off, haven't we? Yeah, we sure have. And it's so nice to have you as a guest on our podcast together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we've been so busy and there's so many ideas rolling on in our heads that we thought, you know what? We typically do uh, the guest podcast where we invite somebody on to share their stories, share what they're doing. But it's been a while since we've shared. We really have stuff and we've been listening to our Uh, listeners comments and suggestions and one of the things that has come up time and time again is you actually want to hear more from us so we're going to be sharing out some ed tech tips and tricks and talk about some of that ed tech news particularly things dealing with the pandemic or happening right now so some super timely information so some things that we want to talk about are uh, investments things to consider investing in right now current trends we want to talk about what school will look like in the fall and also just share out some little things that we've been doing here and there so we'll start with that what have we been doing here locally, Matthew, talking about our webinars and trainings. That's true. We've been, uh, we're both as tech coaches in our district. So we've been uh, really busy helping teachers, guiding teachers, supporting them as we're, this is a new space for everyone, including our teachers in our district. And even the questions that they're getting from the parents and students supporting them all. But we have two new webinars that we've been offering uh, in our district. One is Edu Protocols. And then the second one, which we actually did today, is Digital Student Choice. And I think these are kind of these next step type of webinars where we've done a lot of essential training, how to use our LMS, how to use those check for understanding tools, how to use the presentation tools. And I think uh, there's a group of teachers that are ready to go to that next step, how to use technology in a meaningful way that also engages the students. Yeah, I'm really excited about those. And to give you a little heads up about how we worked it out, Matthew primarily worked on the Edu Protocols one, and I primarily worked on the Student Choice Student Voice one, although we both contributed a fair amount to each other's. That's how we kind of broke up the work, and it's worked out really well. And the podcast actually really helped us with our synergy. I really like how we transitioned from each piece. I felt like it was really planned, even though it wasn't really in a sense, like we didn't practice it together. We talked about it, but we didn't go through a dry run or anything like that. We just winged it and it it always works out. So I love that. And the podcast really helped us out with that. Yeah. Um, I would say even in some of the comments in our surveys where they were impressed how well we worked together, uh, and I don't know if everyone knew that we had a podcast together, but they it really was recognized by the participants how that flowed. But you're right. We just kind of 
know each other a little bit of how that workflow would, you know, be and help each other out. Yeah, now that we're working side by side, if you missed it, a quick update. I'm still teaching as an ELA teacher, but I've been kind of fast-tracked and incorporated into some of the webinars and e-learning that's taking place for our district, and I'm transitioning into an EdTech coach role. So the TNT EdTech podcast name will be staying the same, but its meaning is going to change a little bit and go from teacher and tech coach to tech coach and tech coach. Uh, And I'll still be sampling a lot from the classroom, though, because I think that's one of the key areas to learn from. We'll have to update our logo and our stickers. Yeah, we'll have to do that. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that until right now. So we'll have some new sticker swag. So you'll have to DM us on Twitter, share out any ideas you might have for a fresh update or any colors or things we might need to switch up. I'll take those into consideration. Maybe have to put my former graphic design skills uh, back into the mix and whip (laughs) up something fresh, maybe a special edition Uh, Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, Yeah, we really should work on that. Yeah, or an anniversary sticker. How about that? Whoa, I I like these ideas. Yeah, so right now when we're recording, it's uh, May, but um, we started the podcast last February. So we're just over the the year mark. And uh, should we share our number anniversary with with our listeners i'm pretty happy about it what do you say matthew i think we have you know a handful of episodes it's been a year i think there is a a goal that we were trying to reach within the year and i agree with you i'm really surprised in that number as well for just having 30 some episodes already yeah so we we've crossed the 10k threshold I feel like that's a, a marker. I know other podcasters have been sharing out uh, their numbers as well. Um, on Education, who's part of the On Podcast Media podcasting network that we belong to, they just crossed 100,000 total listens for their podcast, which is amazing. Whoa. And then, right? And then Matt Miller, our, our yeah. friend and former guest, shared out in the fall on the day that we recorded with him, he had surpassed 1 million. Oh my goodness. We have, (laughs) we have another bar to reach. (laughs) Yes. So if you have any suggestions on how we can get closer to meeting those metrics, let us know. DM us on Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Noons teach and Matthew, where can they find you at on Twitter? Add Matt EdTech Coach. And you can find both of us, the dynamic duo of EdTech, at TNT EdTech.com. So, oh, and on Twitter. At TNT oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Right. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. You were doing the Twitters. <laughs> so, Twitter yeah. at TNT EdTech and TNT EdTech.com. No, and we're keeping it real. We're keeping it raw today. Uh, we're just having a good time. We we got to blow off some steam, too, with all the work. Uh, if we haven't shared it out already, we cranked out like 110 webinars in eight 
days at the start of the Corona kickoff, as I'm calling it right now. Uh, and it hasn't stopped. And we created right there, uh, right when the school closure in mid-March, we started creating all those how-to videos too. And the YouTube channel, we've got tons of views on those videos. Right. I know the the last time I got an update on that, I want to say it was two weeks ago. And do you remember what they were? I want to say our highest video was watched over 15,000 times. I believe that was one you did on Schoology. So shout out to Matthew on that. He always has the top videos, by the way. I think it's all the cool graphics. <laughs> it's it's the splash thumbnail. Yeah. Uh, graphic, all, yeah. His thumbnail game is strong, for real. Yeah. Uh, mine aren't as <laughs> as trafficked as his. I don't know what my numbers are personally on there. He also has some more videos and some notoriety. He's been in the position a little bit longer, so I'm going to chalk it up to that. Although they're they're really good. You should give them a watch. We'll have to uh link a couple in the show notes here for you to check out. Yeah, um, and I think it kind of the videos that were on there were ones that I wasn't really finding on YouTube, like how do you use Schoology conference in the student view, or how does a teacher use uh, you know Schoology conferences for that live meeting? But the way we were wanting to use it in our district, so I think some of these customized videos of how we're using them, I wasn't always finding them, and I think those become more unique videos that get more views. I would definitely agree with that. We're not doing any videos that have already been done or that we're familiar with anyways, because before we even created the videos, we searched for them and we couldn't find them. So if they're out there, we somehow missed them. So we tried to come up with ones that were fresh and unique and filled uh, a goal for our district. And I, I'm really trying to remember that total number. It was pretty big i don't want to throw out the wrong number we'll have to find it and throw it in the show notes uh i want to say overall though is something between 40 and a hundred thousand those are the two numbers that keep popping up um there was a game that uh was played with like in a coach's meeting like to guess those numbers and you were coming close yeah well i had some insight right i i'd been following the numbers i'm a semi numbers guy I tend to track uh our numbers on on twitter and also check our numbers uh, with the listens and things like that and compare with other numbers so i have those fresh in my head and uh, i have a quasi eidetic memory when it comes to numbers if it's something really important I can still remember it. So it's, I'm going to age myself a little bit here, but I can <laughs> still <laughs> remember my friend's phone numbers from over 20 years ago. I won't repeat them because their parents still live there. And this was before cell phones and, or before everybody had a cell phone. So I had to memorize my friend's telephone numbers, my home number, things like that. So uh, they're still fresh in my brain. Uh, it, it's crazy. And I knew I remember that. And so I would have watched you what you posted as your answer. And then I would kind of gauge it a little bit. I go, it kind of like prices, right? I was like, do I go a little bit higher, or a little bit lower than what Scott put in? Because I knew you were pretty much on the mark. That's how I got some of my answers close. Okay, nice. I was wondering, ah, so you were doing the plus the plus one or the under one, the $1 bid. <laughs> yes. uh, you're, you're that guy. 
Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a great show, which, by the way, I just saw that it's on CBS All Access. I don't know if it's live. I haven't checked it out yet, but I got a free trial for 30 days on Amazon uh, for CBS All Access. So I'll have to check that out. I love that show growing up. Oh, you know what's also on there is the Twilight Zone. They made a new TV series on the CBS All Access and the Star Trek. They have Picard and Discoveries right. on there as well. We we don't have CBS All Access right now, but we did it uh, maybe a year ago. And the Discovery series was so good. Oh, I haven't checked that one out yet. I checked out Picard. There were some good and bad things. I just really like following Jean-Luc Picard. I, I grew up with Star Trek, The Next Generation. My uncles and my mom were big fans. Uh, they would have watch parties uh, back in the day, like when the new season started and we'd get together at my uncle's house and have like a mini potluck and just watch the new episode. So it was really cool. It also helped that we lived in close proximity uh, for a short period. Uh, my two uncles and my mom all lived on the same street. So <laughs> that was kind of cool Whoa. growing up. If I had to go to a family member's house or uh, mom needed to run an errand or something like that, needed someone to pick me up from school. I had two uncles. Uh, one lived like two doors down and the other one lived across the street. So super close. Wow. Yeah, that was cool. Only lasted for a few years, but it was nice while it lasted. Uh, have some fond memories of that. Speaking about that, I have a cool kind of real life Mr. Noon's true story to share out. My parents used to own a martial arts studio. So I, I grew up heavy into the martial arts and did martial arts from about three to 11. So I got some moves. Well, that's really cool that you had the, the business that your family had. Did you have any like uh, karate kid moves that you learned? <laughs> Funny. You should ask, uh, probably at least once a year since I've been in the classroom, I do that signature karate kid kick the crane kick. So I, I got that down. It's actually really easy to do, but it looks kind of flashy and cool. So even though I'm a little overweight, I can still bust that out. No problem. Unless I have on like, uh, jeans. Jeans are kind of hard. They're really restrictive in terms of kicks. I would never want to get into an altercation wearing anything but uh, baggier clothing. It, it just makes it so much easier to do some of these kicks, which by the way, totally not related to education whatsoever. But I saw this crazy viral video of some guy that looks like Jeff Goldblum um, defending himself or fighting a guy. And he had some amazing kicks. I'm like, wow, this guy's a martial artist. You, you can recognize a martial arts kick from a street fighting kick. Uh, there's a clear distinction. Yeah. And that, that guy must've been a kickboxer or something. Uh, he had all the kickboxing, you know, uh, watermarks, on his uh, trademark kicks there. I'm like, oh, that that's a roundhouse. That's a snap kick. Oh, you know, he's baiting him. He, he's doing a combo kick here. He might have done Taekwondo, but probably kickboxing. That'd be my guess with that guy. Uh, I, uh, I used to have uh, the Kinect on the Xbox. Okay. And 
there's not a lot of games that would take advantage of it, but one of them was a martial arts type game that would put your actual face on top of the game character. And so it was like you actually doing the moves in the game because the connect would look at your body movements in real time. But it was it was pretty physical activity. So it, you definitely got your exercise with it. But I thought that was really neat to have your face on the game character the whole time. That's really cool. At the arcade when I was in high school, there was this boxing game. It was a quasi VR boxing game. It was really you weren't really encapsulated in the VR element, but you had a two dimensional screen in front of you. And there was an opponent that moved like Mike Tyson's punch out and your, um, your person was, um, I guess had like a general transparency to them, you know, or vignette, like that was really faded. So you could see through, through your character, it gave you this third person view and you would, take these controls and you would do all the boxing moves with them. I would play that thing for so long. I would break out in a sweat. This was uh, from about the time I was 14 to 15. Uh, my friends and I on Friday nights, we'd go to the arcade for a little bit and then go ride some go-karts there. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. A lot of good memories with that kind of technology too. That's the sort of thing I miss right now during the pandemic. We can't, we can't go out. We can go on walks. That's been a saving grace. Right. Have you been doing that too? Have you been keeping sane? Yeah, no, you're right. I The kind of being a home or in your neighborhood itch is definitely there to wanting to get out, travel, do other things. But we're, we're doing pretty good. We have a eight-month-old uh, golden retriever, Max, and a puppy dog. And we go in morning and afternoon, evening walks. So he keeps us active, um, but pretty much just staying in the neighborhood. We do have a park that's about a 20-minute walk from the house, one of the city parks, and we go there time to time or walk around the neighborhood. We've even walked because we have a shopping center near us, even to PetSmart uh, with our dog uh, to get him some treats. And the the interesting thing is, you know, before all of this, this would have been super busy, parking lots, a lot of people. We probably wouldn't have walked... Uh, max over there but now you just walk there and it's one of the only stores it's only target and that one store that's open and the whole strip mall um so it's just a nice easy walk there's no one around but uh i definitely notice on fridays when we take our evening walks there's a little bit more activity with people out cars driving but i think we're all kind of feeling that you know we want to be mindful of the social distancing but we're also you know trying to figure out you know we're kind of stuck at homes and neighborhoods right now yeah you know that that self-care piece is so important and i know beforehand i said i wasn't going to talk about it but i feel like it's the perfect place for this so uh it brings me to this twitter chat i did today uh for microsoft so yeah that was that's awesome You, you got to host this twitter chat for microsoft Yeah, myself and many other MIE experts from around the world. It's pretty cool how it works. So uh, we kind of get trained on this. I I had no idea how extensive it was going to be beforehand. And even though they told us up front, I thought, nah, I'm going to, I've done Twitter chats. I'm going to crank this out in no time. Like, I got this. And 
you know what? It was a bit of a challenge. I'll, I'll be honest. Like they want to make sure you are ready. There's a lot of prep that goes into the questions, into the share. So if you go back through my Twitter feed, you're going to see a lot of posts. Uh, in fact, I encourage you to see I was busy with that chat and busy during the chat as well. But just like any chat, uh, it really flies by because you're so engaged and there's so many good conversations going on. I made some new friends. I got really in depth with some of the participants. So that was really cool. I always like doing Twitter chats. I encourage our listeners if you ever have an opportunity to do that. And which, by the way, if you're a member of Q, uh, they're always looking for people. So uh, hashtag Q chat. It's on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, there's also some other really good ones that I like to attend. Uh, hashtag TLAP for Teach Like a Pirate and hashtag Mastery Chat. And one last one is hashtag Celebrate and then D for Celebrate Ed. Uh, that's a great one. That one's on Wednesdays. Um, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. So those are all fun ones. Uh, Mastery Chat, I forgot to say, was on Thursdays, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, what was uh, a unique question that you saw in your Twitter chat today that you posted? I don't remember the verbiage, but there was one that really struck me. One of the teachers in there was sharing how she did like drop-offs to students, kind of like care packages. Wow. And she, they had like drive-through items where they would like go check on their students, but do like a drive-through, like okay. just drive up to the house and check. And the student would come out kind of wave thing. They would talk, you know, with um, keeping the distancing in mind, the physical distancing uh, but would still converse and check in. And so that was really neat. And then she was able to take things to students. So I thought that was really good. There was a lot on um, self-care and how you okay. need that first. And so uh, in order to give to others, your, your cup needs to be filled, metaphorically speaking or symbolically speaking, so that you can give to others. And you know, you and I have been so busy. That's been more of a challenge. And I'm finding myself needing to intentionally group my work together and maximize that, that day of mine or my week. And that's a pro tip that I got from Jeff Gargis from uh, the Teach Better team and also from Tim Cavey from uh, the Teachers on Fire podcast. They're both really big into that. And then also been getting a lot of inspiration from Gary V and his podcast. He's just all about uh, taking care of yourself and taking care of others. And it's this um, complete back and forth. It's kind of like a dance. Like you give a little, get a little, give a little, give a little. Makes me think of Bruce Lee and his martial arts, how you have to be like water and be fluidic. Like, oh, okay, I like that. So, uh, you know, it's these baby steps working towards something bigger. I was just going to share, I think it also helps to have, you know, like you're always really good to remind me of those things. So I think it's really good to have someone else to kind of, 
you know, check up on you and kind of make sure that you are following some of those things? No, I appreciate that. And I do try to do that. I feel like that's one of my strengths, but also a passion. It, it fills me to give. But even though that's my natural, um, you know, inclination to receive from giving, I myself too need to receive at times or make that individual time. And one way I've been doing that is video games and just thinking of all the ways that I can use video games with students or finding out ways to help other teachers in this new coaching role engage with their students through esports. I've been playing a lot of those esports games and getting better at them and hopefully be able to get something going in our area. Wow, that's amazing. So um, I had read that there was a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that they did an anniversary edition. I think it's like 11 years old. And they uh, re-imaged it or reimagined it for the Xbox and PlayStation with better graphics, but same story and gameplay. And so I, I thought, you know what, let me check this out. But that's been really fun for me to play is that remastered edition. Uh, and I had never played the original one, but I thought that's kind of really neat that they're even looking at these older games and remastering them uh, so they have a new feel to them. Yeah, that's great. And another one, uh, is that one free, by the way, or did that cost? No, it costs, I, I forget, I think like 15 to 20 bucks. Okay, there's a free one that a lot of people I know are playing. It's called, um, I think it's called Warzone, Modern Warfare Warzone, and and they play that. I haven't gone into that, but what I really like and would take from these, I, I'm not a big fan of the violence in the games, but I love the teamwork and the communication and the strategy that goes into it. It's all higher order thinking, and that's, that's a great part about it. And then some of the games... Um, the violence is more animated and less realistic and it's minimized in games like Overwatch that I play or the violent aspect is removed in something like Rocket League. So that's my my next one I want to get into is Rocket League. I'm waiting for it to go on sale. Now that you say that, when I first logged into it, I don't know if these are new settings. I hadn't seen it in the game before, but they do let you pick those different settings now for the violence in the game. And I thought that was really interesting, not just for the player, but also for parents. Yeah, I really like those settings in those games, and I wish they took it a step further in that they focused a little bit more on the historical elements. I I love learning And I wish they incorporated more learning into the games and made that part of it or had a more creative use with that. So I know there is creativity in how you set up plans and things, but I think you could do it so much more constructively without destroying things. I know there there is like this natural outlet for that, uh, especially like, you know, being like a stereotypical you know, guy. That's what I would associate myself with. That's how I'd identify as just like a stereotypical man's man. And, you know, there is this kind of urge to be a little more physical. And (laughs) if I can't do that to the fullest extent, that that's an alternative outlet. So uh, I can see the appeal and allure 
So, no, I like what you're saying. I So I have Assassin's Creed Ancient Egypt, and there is an educational mode in there that you're kind of discover and explore the world free of conflict and that gameplay constraints. But it's it's a tour that you can roam freely, but you're, there's learning objectives within the game. And I thought that was a really neat uh, setting or addition of the actual gameplay that you can do an educational mode to it. And I thought that was a neat way to uh, build in gameplay, but also make it educational at the same time. Yeah, that's great. The other thing I've been checking out related to the game industry, I guess, or esports, is some of the updates to the technology. And there's a new game out that I've tried. It's called Valorant. And that one has some unique um, FPS elements to it. Uh, It's kind of like CSGO for those that are familiar with it. Um, But it deals with latency issues. And that's really cool for gaming because when you're doing some of these, it's kind of whoever has the lower latency or lower ping uh has an advantage so it minimizes that greatly and i really like that aspect and i thought that was really cool and uh some of the interviews i'm really intrigued when they talk about the gameplay design or the map design i think those elements are really interesting and i've encouraged students to examine those portions and not necessarily being like an esports you know, gamer per se, there are all these different roles, but just creating the story and creating the artwork for it is amazing. Or just creating the maps. They're like these mazes. They're super in depth. I have focused on even, uh, even the equity issue with even female content writers for these games. Right. I think it's really important that everyone has a voice, just like we work towards, in the workplace and in our classrooms, we really need to seek out these voices. And being a podcaster, I feel like I've gotten a better pulse on that. Like the need to not just take, you know, whoever you can get and comes your way or who you know, but actively seeking out people with different voices, especially marginalized voices. So, uh, that's kind of been a shift and that's really come from the power of the PLN and people sharing with me what they're doing. People like Ken Shelton, when he came on, he really did have an impact and an influence on me in terms of that. And then bringing all that I'm learning to the community and involving the community and reaching out and asking, Hey, what are your needs? And that's something going forward with the podcast. Um, we're going to be trying to find out ways to engage with you more to include you in the podcast, because without you, uh, you know, why have the podcast? Matthew and I could just talk on the phone. So. <laughs> we should record some of those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So, some of them are definitely podcast worthy. Yeah. For I think so. sure. I have a Google uh, home. It's a as voice assistant, kind of like an Amazon echo in the uh-huh. kitchen and uh i was asking it i always try to find out the news from it so I, what's today's news and so i came up with some interesting stories one was uh talking about uh some of the top 
EdTech tools, and it really perked my listening and our field. And I thought, whoa, what's this about? So they were talking about some of the top EdTech tools right now that is getting investment are these online tutoring services uh, for students and also the remote test proctoring type of services. And I, I thought, wow, this is so interesting. We don't always think about, you know, the ed tech apps and investment and uh, what's looking for those types of uh, areas. But really now with distance learning, I could see that these two different services would really be in the need by school districts. They're wanting that accountability with that remote testing, especially even higher education, right? The community colleges, colleges, that there's a, you know, that official, you know, degree, or even some of the testing for students. Uh, I think those are interesting services, but with that remote test proctoring, some of those services, the students are starting to get freaked out a bit because they have to actually uh, have a remote into your computer with some of these services because they need to monitor your computer, what what you're doing, not just the webcam portion of it to see you, but really see what you're doing on the computer itself during these. And it, it's some of this like privacy and security is freaking out the students a bit, just wanting to make sure that they're protected when these services remote in. Uh, some of them are requiring like the students to have their photo ID sent to them, some of the data of their, you know, full names, email, phone numbers uh, for these proctoring services. So there's partly the service uh, that is definitely needed, but also on the student side, they're seeing how some of these services work and some of that privacy that it has to have those controls to make it worthwhile for them to really know what they're doing on their side for that testing. Yeah, it, it's amazing how much data they are asking for. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the investment part of it, uh, okay. investment opportunity part of it, but then I want to transition into that data part and that'll link to our next part, um, like data privacy and security and whatnot. Uh, but in terms of investing, that is a great investment. I don't think that's going to go away it definitely won't go away it may dwindle a little bit but especially uh with the possibility of us going digitally or more digitally in the fall those proctoring services and those tutoring services i think they're here to stay i think this really cements their their foothold and so if you haven't invested already I would encourage you to examine that. Of course, I'm no stockbroker or financial connoisseur by any means, but I've been tracking different uh, market prices, and that one is definitely trending upward consistently. Uh, and just, you know, logic would dictate uh, we need this. I, I think <laughs> the pandemic has changed a lot of things. I also read on LinkedIn that. Uh, AI is gaining more of a foothold and many tech companies are cutting jobs and giving them to AI right now. So that's something I thought may come in the future, but it's actually starting sooner than later. So I went to a, a, a conference on AI for educators and uh, with a group of computer science teachers 
And in that conference, they were talking about AI that can actually write code. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is like what we're doing as teachers. But I think we've talked about this. There's the other skill sets, right, that the students, they're learning that critical thinking, that collaboration, that creativity piece that we're not seeing yet in the uh, at least that creativity part in the AI. But I was even like, we're going there as computer science teachers. And then they're telling us, hey, AI can write code now. <laughs> right. Uh, it's amazing what AI and machine learning can do and where it's going. In fact, next month, I'm going to be leading a chat, I believe, on the 19th for PolyUp talking about machine learning and all the possibilities. It's really crazy. It can even create art. So I saw this about 10 years ago. AI was already pre-populating websites, and this is when I was getting out of it. So I knew that was coming. And as kind of an intermediate graphic designer, I knew I wasn't the best and didn't have the drive to be the best in that area of graphic design. I realized I had to get out. It it was so competitive and especially where we're at, there aren't too many graphic design jobs. So uh, it was slim pickings and I hated freelancing, just having to hustle day in, day out. I I liked uh, the normalcy of having like a steady income and not having to fight for every little bit uh, until you kind of quote unquote make it. So I wanted something that was somewhat more recession proof. And I think I really found it in education. While we may take some cuts and take some hits uh, in the coming years as a result of the pandemic, uh, education still isn't going away. And it's really due to the four C's, uh, particularly that creative piece. We can, sure, people can learn from AI and it can generate content, but how you deliver the content and picking up on nuances, it certainly is not there yet and won't be for some time. So uh, our, our teacher jobs are safe. I think so. And in that conference they were sharing, uh, with the AI industry, you know, they definitely have the programmers there building the AI and creating it. But the, guess guess what other profession is really widely uh, brought into those AI companies? It's educators, because as you just mentioned, there's machine learning. These AI programs need to learn. And they need to be trained. And who better to know the steps of learning and training and teaching than educators? So they pair up, many of these companies pair up an educator with a programmer in these AI companies. I thought that was really interesting. That's so cool. That kind of also touches on a lot of these tech companies that are hiring writers, those that do uh, science fiction with uh, a focus on technology, essentially the innovation or the thoughts of today will be the tech of tomorrow. And that process is being sped up more and more um, as we go along. One one really neat tool I like for students with AI is Google has this thing called the Teachable Machine and it's online. It's a website. We'll put it in the show notes. But with this, you can uh, go to the website, Teachable Machine with Google, and you can train uh, their AI 
to understand sound. You can train it to un, to recognize an object or a person and you give it the training set and a test set and you can kind of gauge with how much training, how much testing, how much, you know, examples that you need to give it for it to learn it. But it will it will work. It's a neat hands on activity that anyone can do with a microphone or web camera. Uh, but it's called the teachable machine. But it's a really neat way just to kind of see how this AI does get trained. Wow, that's cool. And that kind of takes me to the next part where we talk about data privacy and security. Uh, because with cameras, right, there's a potential for uh, security snafu. And we definitely don't want any of those. So when you're signing up for apps or getting new cool devices, maybe smart home devices, you need to be careful. I was watching a thing on digital trends today, which is on LinkedIn, and they were featuring three robotic vacuums and two of them had sophisticated cameras on there. And one of the features was it could double as a security device, like a, a webcam to catch intruders, or could also be a uh, device to communicate with your family when you're away from work. Or, you know, if you have a late night, you could talk with your kids. It seems really weird that you would talk through a vacuum, but it's possible. And I think more of our devices are like that. I'm looking at some new kitchen appliances and everything seemingly has some kind of smart tech embedded in there. Um, from the fridge to the microwave, it can talk <laughs> to you and you can talk to it. It, it. it knows if you get a midnight snack. Right. So how do we protect ourselves and our data with some of these smart devices, a lot of people don't know, but at the junior college, you actually have a course on this where you teach people how to use their smart home devices properly and how to integrate them. That's a great question, Scott. And you're just going to have to wait to part two of this episode, which comes out on Friday this week, on May 22nd. So you don't have long to wait. And in the next part of our episode of this two-parter, we'll continue the conversation on Internet of Things, just protecting and what to be mindful uh, with those devices in the home. Also creating powerful passwords, looking at different ideas to protect yourself from phishing scams, even going into student data privacy topics and looking at the COVID slide of that missing some learning with the what's happened with school closures and distance learning and some ideas with summer enrichment. We're also going to talk about what does it look like going back to school in August? Uh, what are some of those ideas? Continuing the talk about that balancing that wellness with a virtual 5K, couch to 5K event that Scott shares out. And really looking forward to a freestyle rap coming from Mr. Scott Noon's Teach. Uh, we'll talk about what might be coming up soon in an episode coming up where I'm going to get him to rap for me. Uh, back onto the podcast. And we have some really exciting topics that we talk about for even future episodes. So definitely check out the continuation of this uh, really great 
a conversation in part two on Friday, May 22nd. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You go. You go. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought when you were asking me, like you were asking me, me, me. I didn't know. <laughs> no. Uh, so do you want you want to do it or you want me to do it? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put this at the end. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> okay. In three two, one. Thank you for listening to the TNT EdTech Podcast. You can follow us on any podcast player of your choice. Also on Twitter at TNT EdTech. Follow us on the web at www.tntedtech.com. TNT EdTech Podcasts are powered by Q and a member of the Family of Fine Podcasts on the Unpodcast Media Network. Helping explain education, one podcast at a time. Visit Unpodcast Media Network of Podcasts at unpodcastmedia.com. We're also sponsored by the nonprofit Q. Q inspires innovative learners by fostering community, personalizing learning, infusing technology, developing leadership, and advocating educational opportunities for all. Visit Q at Q.org.